Mark's uh, chapter 1, but we're reading from the International Children's Bible. Um, so please be encouraged to read along um, in your Bible and do the translation in your head. Um, or on your device, select it <laughs> on your app. Um, or look on screen. So there you go. So let's start with Mark 1 uh, and chapter 1, and we'll go from verses 1 to 43. Okay, Mark 1. Everybody got that? You can't that one bit. Okay. This is the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Son of God, as the prophet Isaiah wrote. I will send my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. There is a voice of a man who calls out in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make the road straight for him. John was baptising people in the desert. He preached a baptism of changed hearts and lives for the forgiveness of sins. All the people from Judea and Jerusalem were going out to John. They told about the sins they had done. Then they were baptised by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothes made from camel's hair and had a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. This is what John preached to the people. There is one coming later who is greater than I. I am not good enough even to kneel down and untie his sandals. I baptise you with water, but the one who is coming will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to the place where John was. John baptised Jesus in the Jordan River. When Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven open. The Holy Spirit came down on him like a dove. A voice came from heaven and said, You are my son and I love you. I'm very pleased with you. Then the Spirit sent Jesus into the desert alone. He was in the desert 40 days and was there with wild animals. While he was in the desert, he was tempted by Satan. The angels came and took care of Jesus. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee and preached the good news from God. Jesus said, The right time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Change your hearts and lives and believe the good news. When Jesus was walking by Lake Galilee, he saw Simon and Simon's brother, Andrew. They were fishermen and were throwing a net into the lake to catch fish. Jesus said to them, come and follow... Oh. Come and follow me. Oh, my God. I, I will make you a fisherman of men. So Simon and Andrew immediately left their nets and followed him. Jesus continued walking by the lake, by Lake Galilee. He saw two brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were in their boat, preparing their nets to catch fish. Their father, Zebedee, and the men who worked for him were in the boat with the brothers. When Jesus saw the brothers, he called them to come with him. They left their father and followed Jesus. Jesus and his followers went to Capernaum. On the Sabbath day, Jesus went to the synagogue and began to teach. The people there were amazed at his teaching. He did not teach like their leaders of the law. He taught like a person who had authority. While he was in the synagogue, 
a man was there who had an evil spirit in him. The man shouted, Jesus of Nazareth, what do you want with us? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, God's holy one. Jesus said strongly, Be quiet, come out of the man. The evil spirit made the man shake violently. Then the spirit gave a loud cry and came out of him. The people were amazed. They asked each other, What is happening here? This man is teaching something new. He teaches with authority. He even gives commands to evil spirits and they obey him. The news about Jesus spread quickly everywhere in the area of Galilee. Jesus and his followers left the synagogue. They all went at once with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a fever. The people there told Jesus about her. So Jesus went to her bed, took her hand and helped her up. Immediately the fever left her and she was healed and she began serving them. That night after the sun went down, the people brought to Jesus all who were sick. They also brought those who had demons in them. The whole town gathered at the door of the house. Jesus healed many who had different kinds of sicknesses. He also forced many demons to leave people, but he would not allow the demons to speak because they knew who he was. Early the next morning, Jesus woke and left the house while it was still dark. He went to a place to be alone and pray. Later, Simon and his friends went to look for Jesus. They found him and said, everyone is looking for you. Jesus said, we should go somewhere else, to other towns around here. Then I can preach there too. That is the reason I came. So he travelled everywhere in Galilee. He preached in the synagogue and forced demons to leave people. A man who had a harmful skin disease came to Jesus. The man fell to his knees and begged Jesus, I know that you can heal me if you will. Jesus felt sorry for the man, so he touched him and said, I want to heal you. Be healed. At once the disease left the man and he was healed. Jesus told the man to go at once, but Jesus warned him strongly. Don't tell anyone about what I have done for you, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer a gift to God because you have been healed. Offer the gift of Moses commanded. This will show the people that you are healed. The man left there, but he told everyone he saw that Je- he told everyone he saw that Jesus had healed him. So the news about Jesus spread. That is the reason Jesus could not enter a town if he saw if people saw him. He stayed in places where nobody lived, but people came from all the towns to wherever he was. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Robert and Gay. That was a long reading, but it was great to be immersed in the drama of Mark's Gospel, and uh, great that you could be with us today. My name is Mike, I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, if you're new to church, welcome. Uh, This would normally be the part in the service, in fact it is the part of the service, where I teach from uh, the passage of Scripture we've just read. 
Now, with kids in the service and with rain outside, I'm going to preach for about half as long. That's my aim, half as long as I would normally, so only half an hour today. Um, <laughs> well, that's, that's lame, wasn't it? But uh, look, if, um, if you would like to know more about the introduction to Mark, more than I'm going to be able to speak on today, uh, we've produced a set of studies to go along with this series, and they'll be available on the Tack Life website come tomorrow, uh, but you'll find the great, some great things in there. And even if your group's not starting with, uh, with this study this week, um, you might better use the first week as a journal exercise, just to dig into Mark's gospel a bit further. And for the young ones among us, we have this little, uh, little emoji sheet here, uh, where you can uh, take Mark's gospel, the reading of Mark's gospel, and translate it to Gen Alpha um, by using emoji, emojis. So have some fun with that, uh, use some stickers, and uh, adults, if you get bored, I suppose you could use it as well. Now... There's a few things I'd like you to know about what we do in this church when it comes to preaching from the Bible. That is, we take the Bible seriously. We take it as God's Word to us that points to Jesus. And I think that's what Mark wanted us to see as well. Mark wants us to see that God has revealed Himself in Jesus that we would respond. And as we, as we look to respond to Jesus, God's Word changes us. It's relevant to us. It has power for us in our lives, and I'm hopeful that you find that today. In fact, as you look over church history, you will see that God changes lives, and He changes people's lives in this church as well. Now, we're starting this series in Mark's Gospel this week, so I'm so glad you're here. Um, and you're going to find that this gospel is full of drama. It's fast-paced. It's kind of like the Marvel movie of the Gospels. It's full of action. Uh, full of highs and lows, and we see in the middle of that the hero, Jesus. Now, most, um, I'll come back to that later, most stories kind of weave through sort of, you know, the ups and downs, and that's why we, we watch things, right? I mean, we even watch sitcoms or kind of uh, TV shows where we know that the hero is still going to be alive at the end, but we watch it because we want to see the journey they travel. Mark's gospel is like that. Mark is a great storyteller. But some, some stories are told in a way like this, where they actually reveal the end right at the beginning. Can you think of a story that does that? For example, the Titanic, the movie. It starts with kind of like, after all the action, you know, today even, where, where, where kind of we discover uh, the, the jewel at the bottom of the sea, which leads us into the story of the lady who wore the jewel, and then the drama unfolds from there. Can you think of another story? We could do a little bit of interaction if you like. What was that? Save a Private and Ryan is another great kids movie. Yep. Um, <laughs> look, this, I, think, I think I've been told Megamind, um, the bad guys maybe. I haven't watched either of those. But uh, we get the idea, right? Some stories start with the, with the end right at the beginning. Why do they do that? Well, the, the, the storytellers want us to see what's important right from the beginning. But also that we might travel the whole story, the journey of the story, uh, with that in mind. And particularly that we might come to a better understanding of that end as we travel the story. That's what Mark wants us to see. Mark wants us to see the hero of the story right from the beginning. Who is this hero? It is none other than Jesus. This is how he starts the gospel, the first verse. This is the beginning of the good news, the gospel, about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, for, you know, regular players, uh, you might go, well, that just sounds 
pretty straight up. It's not very interesting or kind of climactic or even kind of epic, but it is. Readers of Mark's Gospel, particularly early readers of Mark's Gospel, had so many things in mind when they came to this first verse. For instance, the good news, uh, the word gospel, people think that that's a really Christian word, it was being used well before Christians were using it. A gospel was that moment when, for instance, when when the war had been won, someone would be sent into the city to, to gospel, to proclaim the good news that we are the winners. And so when Christians started using it, they were using this idea that someone was coming in with great news to proclaim, that the victory has been won. This is good news and it needs to be proclaimed. And it's particularly good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus means God saves. Christ is not His surname. It means the Messiah. It means God's chosen one. And for hundreds of years, God's people were looking for this particular one, the Messiah, who would bring victory, who would bring all things back together. And they were so longing for this Messiah because things were not good for God's people. And we read here about this one is the Son of God, the Holy One, the One from heaven. This is good news. It is a gospel. Now, speaking about sort of Mark being the Marvel kind of uh, movie of the gospels, uh, full of action and drama, it makes me think of another son, another powerful one, the son of Odin. Uh, This guy's in the movies at the moment, Uh, probably not a kid's movie, but um, uh, you might know kind of of Thor, right? He's a very famous character through, through kind of, uh, you know, ancient stories as much as kind of retold ones. But you, you might be familiar with this idea that, that Thor comes with power and, and the big wow factor. I love that Thor comes with a big wow factor. It certainly makes it interesting, doesn't it? Uh, he fights for good. He's known throughout the universe and he has a mighty hammer. Yeah, what's the name of the hammer? Molnir, yeah, very good, very good. It's got, an, it's got a weird J in there, very good. And so here we are at the beginning of Mark's gospel, ready for the same kind of wow factor because here comes the good news, the proclamation that Jesus is the Son of God. Drum roll. We get this guy. We get John the Baptist. Was he noble? Was he in the city center? Was he wearing great clothes? No, no, and no. He was in the wilderness, wearing camel hair, eating locusts and wild honey, baptizing people in the river for repentance, or for, as as the International Children's Bible says, uh, for changed hearts. He's baptizing people for changed hearts, that they would live for the forgiveness of sins. Do you want this guy announcing your kingship? Robert says yes. Anyone else? (laughs) It's a really weird start, and I think we should see it as a really weird start. People are expecting great things, and they get John the Baptist. But nonetheless, John the Baptist had gathered quite a few people. There were many who had come out from the city into the wilderness with him to be baptized uh, with this baptism of repentance. If you were going to come as king, non-rhetorical question, how would you like to be announced? Maybe for young players at home. How would you like to be announced if you were king? What do you reckon? With a lion? Is that a lion hands? No? Anyone want to have a go? Well, I guess not like this, right? 
We, we, don't, we don't want this guy announcing our kingship. It sounds like a false start from the beginning. But what happens next? Well, John starts talking about there is going to be one that's coming that's more powerful than me. I'm not going to be even worthy to sort of untie his, his sandals. And that person comes. In Mark's gospel, you never have to wait very long. It's like immediately and then, immediately and then. And so just after John says that, that one comes. Jesus comes. And John baptizes him, even though he feels like he's not worthy. Jesus invites him to baptize him. And in that moment, it is an epic moment for those that have eyes to see. Because in that moment, Jesus comes up out of the water. The Holy Spirit comes down on Jesus like a dove. And the Father says, God the Father says, This is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. In that moment, we have confirmation that this strange one, that this one that looks like a lowly king, not like Thor, that this one is the one who God is pleased in. We have God's seal put upon him, and it's important for us to see it. Mark wants to see this straight up. Have you ever had that moment where you're just not quite sure how you should be doing something? Uh, and, and you're looking around to kind of see, what are other people doing? Because I've just got no idea. I went um, skydiving at 16 as soon as I could. I saved up all my money. They didn't have Nintendo Switches back then. So I saved all my money up to go skydiving. And I, was, I, I missed the instructions uh, at the beginning of like, what we should be doing. Kind of important. Except you're strapped to another guy, so it's all right, right? But as we go up, I'm like, oh, thank God I'm not going first so I can watch what happens next. Uh, and the, you know, the green light comes on, and my guy says, we're up. I was like, oh. <laughs> and so there I am, sitting at the edge of this door, ready to jump out. I'm grabbing at the sides because I thought that's what you're supposed to do. And he's like, the guy's trying to stop us jumping out. And so he just pushes me out, and out we go. It was hectic, right? But every one of us have those moments where we're just completely unsure about what's going on. And we're looking around. We're looking around at others, saying, just to, just to check what's happening. Friends, this is the moment. As we're looking around, trying to make sense of life, this is the moment we get confirmation from God Himself that this is the way. This is God's chosen one, whom He is well pleased. Oh, we would love to hear those words about us. I hear people say all the time, I think I'm a good person. We're all looking for affirmation at a very deep level that we're doing okay. And we love to give it to ourselves out of desperation, out of all things. But God has said, I am well pleased in this one, as he points to his beloved son. And that one comes for us, that we might follow him and find those same words given to us. But in Mark's gospel, as we're not left there very long, the very next moment, Jesus is taken out by the Spirit, as we're told, into the wilderness uh, and tempted by Satan for 40 days. That's kind of weird, right? Like, again, we're sort of struck by the, you know, this kind of this weirdness of the strangeness of the journey. It's a bit disorienting for us. And yet we go along with it because we're curious. Who is this one, this affirmed one, this one of God who God is well pleased? Uh, and uh, one of the things I want us to see in Mark's gospel is that Satan is a major character. We cannot overlook Satan. It's interesting when I talk to people about, you know, spiritual things, people are okay to talk about God. Uh, that's kind of everyone's, you know, some people don't believe in him, but, but we're okay to talk about God. Drop Satan in the conversation, 
gets pretty weird pretty quickly, uh, unless you live in Newtown. But we're not there anymore. So, well, I'm not there anymore. Uh, but why is that? Why is Satan sort of strange for us to consider? Mark is not embarrassed to help us see that there is a spiritual reality beyond what we can see with our own eyes. And as Jesus enters in, that Holy One from Heaven enters into creation, we see a whole spiritual world kind of rise up in opposition to Him. And in this very moment, Jesus takes on that opposition, that temptation, and for 40 days, He resists and angels tend to Him and He really is the affirmed One of God, the confirmed One, that this really is the One we ought to take notice of. And now we're cut into the, into the action. Because at this point, after he has survived the, 20, the 40 days of temptation, uh, Mark tells us that John was arrested, doesn't even bother with the details because he's a speedy narrator, uh, and then Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news. And now we hear it on Jesus' lips. We've been told from very verse 1 that, Jesus, that the good news of God is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, but now we hear it from His own lips where Jesus came to proclaim the good news, and that is, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. They are His first words. It's fascinating in Mark's Gospel. Uh, there's, if you've got a red letter Bible like this one here, there's actually not a lot of red. There's a bit, there's a bit at the beginning, but there's a whole bunch of, of narration. There's not a lot of kind of Jesus' teaching. And so when we do get Jesus' words, we should pay attention. And here is Jesus saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the moment where you might think, well, now we get the thorn moment, right? This is the moment where the kingdom of God has come near. Let's go. Let's see what happens. But Jesus wants us to see first that when His kingdom comes near, He's not coming just to kind of throw a big party. He's saying, I've come that you might repent. That is, turn away from your life and the way you were living it and turn towards seeing Jesus, seeing this one, responding to Him. Friends, there is a greater problem than we had ever dared imagine. We know there are problems in this world. And we're going to see that Jesus is going to face so many of these, sickness, suffering, even demon possession. He's going to face all of these problems, but there is a deeper problem still. And He speaks to it right now when He says, repent, turn away from living your life without God, because I have come for you. The kingdom of God is near. Here I am for you. Now trust me. That is our biggest problem. Not our sickness, not our suffering, not even death. All that stems from the big problem. The big problem is us being estranged, separated from, even rejecting God our Father. But God didn't leave us there. He came for us in Jesus. So let us stop. Let us stop everything we are doing in life that we might just pause and look and answer the question, who is Jesus? Because if He is who He says He is, He is worthy of all our attention. He is worthy of living for. 
but it's too early for me to say that. We're going to travel Mark's journey throughout the next two months exploring who Jesus is that we might see Him afresh. All of us, whether you're a Christian for a long time or whether you're exploring Christianity, I want us all to see Jesus afresh, to put aside kind of our ideas of Jesus and confront Him, be captivated by Him. Now, just as I finish up, because I was going to just focus on the first part of Mark, I do want us to see just very quickly here some of the characters that we came across in the last part of the chapter. As I said, I'm not going to go through it all, but what I find fascinating as we look and ask the question, who is Jesus? We get to see what He's like in the way that He interacts with pretty ordinary people, like the fishermen He finds in the boat. And He says, come follow me. And what do they do? They leave their dad and say, I'm with this guy now. Now, we don't know all the ins and outs of what happened in that scene, but wow. I mean, I don't, I don't know many people that I would leave uh, my house, my family, uh, who are here and would like me to stay with them, uh, and, and, you know, and everything that I know about life to come follow Jesus. But there is a little picture that this guy is so worthy, is so awesome, is so God, <laughs> that there is nothing that we should hold on to if it means we're not going to follow Him. Or if you look at the demon-possessed guy, right? I mean, that's confronting. We're not used to that. But as I said, as Jesus comes, the Holy One of God, it's like He magnetizes all the spiritual realities and they sort of manifest uh, in front of Him. And so here we have this demon-possessed guy who knows who Jesus is, well, the, the, the demon does. And, and here we have, we, we think we might have this kind of, this Thor moment, this kind of, this epic battle of the good and the evil. And you know what happens? Jesus says, get out. Jesus is that powerful. He doesn't even sweat it. Or the guy who is sickness, who nobody else wants to touch. Some of the um, Bible translations call it leprosy, a skin disease. It's very contagious. And nobody in that ancient world wanted to go anywhere near someone with leprosy because they might get sick. What does Jesus do? The kingdom has come near. He draws near to this man and heals him. But then he says, be quiet. Don't tell anyone about this. <laughs> it's, it's like, what is that? Does he not want the fame? Does he not want the kind of PR that people might know? Here is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The kingdom of God is coming. Does he not want that kind of PR? No, he wants people to not follow a celebrity. In our world of kind of preaching celebrities, Jesus doesn't want that. Instead, he wants to meet people where they're at and have them personally respond to him. And what I find amazing about all of this, and just as I finish, the drama of Mark is not in Jesus versus Satan. It's not in Jesus versus sickness. It's not in even Jesus versus death. That's not where the drama is. You know where the drama is? The drama is, will you respond to Him? The drama is, will you acknowledge who Jesus is? The drama is, will you follow Him? That's what Mark wants us to do. He wants us to look at Jesus and He wants to listen to the one who says, come follow me. My hope is that over the next couple of months, we might be profoundly moved by this Holy One of God, this Son of God, this Christ, that we might find life as He lays it down for us. Let me pray. Father, we thank You that You have made Yourself known most clearly in Jesus. In fact, you have come to rescue us from our deepest problem in our sinfulness. 
Father, would you help us to turn away from everything that we think life's about so that we might find true life in you? We struggle with this in so many ways. We are captivated by so many things. But would you help us all, young and old, to look again at Jesus and live for Him so that the whole world might come to know Him. Amen.